welcome to Snacking with the Saints, the podcast where we eat snacks and talk about the saints with your hosts, Andrea and Lena. Thanks for being here. Let's jump in. I'm having mom brain. How do we normally start? <laughs> with our snacks. Yes, okay. we're starting with our snacks and our theme. We should talk about yes. our theme, right? Yes, our theme is Saints in Advent because yes. it's Advent. Saints whose feast days are in Advent, right? Yes, that is a very necessary um, <laughs> qualification. qualification. Yeah, yeah. So um, there were not a ton to choose from, but in some ways there were. Like the ones that were there were to choose from, I felt like I already knew about them. Yeah, they were pretty like heavy saints. Some of them were. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't do the obvious one. Well, I didn't pick the obvious one, which I assumed you were going to pick the obvious one. Yeah, St. Nick. Right. Neither just, one of us picked I feel like everyone, he gets enough, he gets enough people, attention. People know about St. Nick, yeah, right? people know him. Okay. We're yeah. going with lesser known, but still Mine is highly not revered. lesser known, Okay, but I was also blessed by this research for sure. So, so should we do our snacks first? Yes, our snacks. That's okay. Yeah. Who wants to go first? I'll go first because mine is the lame snack. <laughs> It's not lame. It's a necessary. Yes. My air snack, quote snack. Yeah. My snack is cough drops because um, I'm not coughing yet, but I will be soon. My baby is sick. And it's winter. It's winter. Everybody's sick. Everyone's sick. My baby is like coughing and sneezing like directly into my nose and <laughs> mouth, your mouth all day. Yes. So I, I knew I, it was coming. So it's I just have a little bit of a scratchy throat. So I'm trying to get ahead of it. I like that. That's my snack. And I will vouch for Andrea that these particular cough drops are actually really good. Like, they taste like candy. They're not like yeah. the menthol kind, right? Yeah, they're elderberry. That's. I don't, I can't say the brand, so I'm not, but they're elderberry. <laughs> they're like fruity. Yeah, they're very fruity. These ones have zinc. Mm. And Luis, my husband, tried one, and he swears it made him sick because zinc on an empty stomach does that to him. Oh, it's like hard so, on the stomach? Yeah, so beware. But I think the zinc, zinc is good. Zinc keeps you healthy, I think. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's not a medical opinion. It's just no, good. yeah, it's good. It's good. So I don't, I think it does, if you take too much zinc on an empty stomach, you can like get a little queasy, but yeah. anyway, I think. But, you know, we're not on empty stomachs because we are, are snacking. Always. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My snack is, I brought it today. Yes. Because it is winter and the days are short. Mm -hmm. It's longer nights. Mm -hmm. It's like the sun is not out long enough. So I brought comfort food because in the wintertime, comfort food is just like, I feel like an essential part of family life. Mm -hmm. um, so I brought a my take on chicken pot pie, which is mini chicken pot pies that are like little handheld pies. So it's not, I don't bake it in a pan. I just take like a little biscuit cutter and cut out um, pie crust and then put a little filling in the middle and then seal it and bake it. Delicious. It was yummy. I, my kids, it's one of my kids' favorites. And it's just like, just enough to like feel that like home cooking comfort. It is. Um, it was delicious. Thank you. So good. Um, I need the recipe. I will send that. We should post the recipe. Yeah, let's do it. That would be great. Let's do it. Um, well, thank you. I'm sorry. My snack for you is not as delicious. Oh, actually, I don't know if I should tell you this, but mm. I was at Trader Joe's to like a little bit ago, and I did buy a snack for this. You did? But Luis ate it. <laughs> and by Luis ate it, Luis, I mean, he asked if we could eat it, and I said no. And then I said yes. But 
So we both ate it, but he was the one who tempted me. Okay. So, so. I'm sorry. It was Trader Joe's JoJo's. Oh, we love those at our house. I know. And yeah, they have gluten-free JoJo's too, if you ever. Yeah, they are, do. Yeah. These had candy cane. And oh, candy nice. Candy. I'm so sorry. Okay, well, thanks So I for... almost had a cool snack for you, but then we <laughs> ate them. Your snack today will come in handy if I ever start like coughing in mass. Oh, yeah. Which I, in your purse. You yes, need that's what I, that's purse. what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, all right. Should Are we ready we, to start yeah. with the saints? Our Advent saints. Who wants to go first? How about I go first? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because there's not a lot about my saint. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is legend. Okay. Yes. My saint is Saint Lucy. Oh, okay. And I did not know much about St. Lucy before. I mean, I had seen some families do some St. Lucy traditions, but mm-hmm. um, when I read about her, her name means light, kind of like how you think of lucid. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lena means light. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, our bright one. So I was like, immediately felt a connection to that. Um, she is the patron saint of the blind, and her feast day is December 13th. So there's very little actually recorded about her for mm-hmm. historical information. She lived in the late 200s AD. Oh, in, yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah, it's a long time ago in Sicily, Italy. All they know about her is that she was a brave woman who lost her life during the persecution, the Christian persecutions in like the late um, 4th century. So mm-hmm. there, there's just very little recorded about her. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the 6th century, the church recognized her bravery in defense of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And all these legends started popping up to kind of create this devotion to her. Um, And so I just thought it's really cool. And we'll get into the legends, but I just thought it was really cool that um, in order to spread that devotion, that legends were a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Those, that was the building block. And I just think it speaks to how important story is. I was going to say that the importance of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how great the church is with storytelling and using that as Mm -hmm. a way to spread faith um so all the legends have kind of these certain common themes or certain Mm -hmm. parts of the story that are similar that lucy dedicated herself to christ and serving the poor um and that she was supposed to marry a pagan suitor that her like parents wanted her to marry and he outed her to authorities as a christian because this was during the christian persecutions Mm -hmm. because she did not want to marry him Um, so at that point they tried to force her into a brothel for a life of prostitution, but physically could not move her. Like she became immovable. Mm -hmm. Um, and they tried to even burn her and that it, like all their attempts failed. Um, eventually at the end, they took a dagger or sword to her throat and that's eventually how she died a Mm -hmm. few days later. So, um, the legend also states that her eyes were gouged out Mm -hmm. and then God provided her with new eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in um, depictions of her, you'll see her and she's like a beautiful woman, mm-hmm. but also holding a plate with eyes on it. Yeah, which that's is what like, I know about her. Yeah, which is, you know, probably not aesthetically as pleasing as I'd prefer, but it is a little, um, a little graphic. But I think it's because she's the patron saint of the blind and this idea of having new eyes and kind of tearing away like the old self mm-hmm. um, and and living in this new life. Um, so that's kind of her background as far as what the legends say about her. Um, the Also, the other piece that um, she's known for is that she, the legends has said that she wore a wreath. I don't know if you've ever seen these pictures of her with a wreath um, around her head with candles on it. I don't think I've seen that one, no. Okay, so the legend is that she would go and bring food to Christians that were hiding in these um, Roman catacombs. Mm-hmm. And so she 
couldn't see. So she put it, she put the wreath on her head and made it like kind of like a visor so that she could keep her hands free to carry the bread um, wow. to those in hiding, the Christians in hiding. And so um, now there's actually all these traditions that pop up on St. Lucy or St. Lucia's Day, um, depending on the country, but mostly in Sweden, there's a lot of Swedish traditions for her. Um, and they will make like a braided bread kind of in the shape of a wreath. I have seen that, have the you? bread. Yes, or these um, kind of like buns or rolls that yeah. are like a Swedish roll, um, a type of sweet bread. And a lot mm-hmm. of times it's like the oldest daughter of the family will do it. They'll dress in white and um, make this bread and serve it to the family. And it, it really just kind of speaks to um, St. Lucy's desire to serve those in mm-hmm. need and bring them food, which I think was perfect for snacking with the saints because yeah. it's like um, the how bread and breaking bread with others is just such a part of community life mm-hmm. and we're called to serve others and bring them in. Yeah. Um, so she had a really beautiful way of doing that. And I think that is kind of what the church wanted to emphasize in her spirituality. Um, so the other piece of it that, so that's really like her backstory. Yeah. Uh, Not and a lot known cause she's so, yeah, so uh, early, so early, but her, traditions have lived on and I actually have a friend whose daughter is Lucia and they will do the St. Lucy traditions and that's kind of how I even had any exposure to it but it's just a really beautiful way um, to speak of a woman's bravery and also her ability to nurture others. Yeah I love that. Yeah and so she's known for that purity that chastity Mm -hmm. of um, not wanting to marry this pagan suitor wanting to devote her life to Christ and so I think we can also um, look to her for purity and chastity of, mm-hmm. of course, the body and the mind too, because I think there's a connection between the eyes and purity too, mm-hmm. because there's so much that we take in with the eyes yeah. and kind of guarding the eyes. Uh, Padre Pio also talks about that too, mm-hmm. of like how important it is to guard the eyes because that's kind of the window that enters into the soul. Yeah. And just in this day and age, I mean, I feel like it's more important than ever. Yeah how much we scroll through. I mean, I think about even just like for social media, when I'm scrolling through stuff, I'm like, I'm really just allowing anything to come into my presence. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm about to read. I don't know what mm-hmm. is some, uh, you know, someone's take on something, someone's article. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of exposed. I'm letting, op- like letting myself be open to that. Mm-hmm. And so um, St. Lucy, I think is just kind of a good example of kind of guarding that um, purity and to think of it, especially because she's patron saint of the blind too mm-hmm. of like and having new eyes that we would be careful as to like what um, comes in that yeah makes sense. I love that yeah um uh, she um I the more I like think about her the more I feel like even though she's such an older saint mm-hmm. like you know from early like 200s and 300s like her values are needed now more than ever yeah yeah and that um the other piece of it which I think makes a really pretty part of Advent is that idea of her being a light in the darkness with that wreath, you know, like carrying that, um, having the candles around her head and going into this dark place Mm -hmm. and literally being a light, literally literally a light in the darkness and bringing food to those who were starving. And so, um, you know, just thinking about how we can be a light to others during Advent and how just it's, the darkness is all around us just, you know, seasonally and mm-hmm. um, just that there are so many that are spiritually poor or, mm-hmm. you know, needing love in one way or the other and that we could be that light in, in some way. So I feel like she has a very inspiring spirituality in that yeah. sense. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I love the connection between 
the wreath on her head and the advent wreath too. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah they look very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. like that. I love your, your take on her because as a fan of history, I do kind of tend to not write off the more earlier saints, but mm. I at least tend to keep, be more drawn or like attached to the saints where I can really enter into like their world. Their so like, writings and stuff. Right, their yeah. writings and what was happening at the time yeah. and what like their contributions to the church. So like some of the early ones, like St. Lucy, I'm like, I know she holds eyes on a plate, but I don't know anything else. <laughs> like but what like, the deal is. Yeah. Yeah. But that is, she is so relevant still after oh, hearing yeah. you talk about her. I think that um, the fact that we don't have historical like data on her and that the church embraced these legends mm-hmm. is just, I think that's just a cool piece of like understanding, like how to take someone's life and their story and just, um, make it accessible to other people, you know, yeah. through that piece of story. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, you bet. I feel blessed by her. Yes. And I wanted to also, there's a St. Lucy prayer that I just wanted to, um, say if it's okay. Yeah, we should. Cause we don't have any like written. So, yeah. Since we don't have any words, I usually mm-hmm. end with her words, but there's a St. Lucy prayer. And I think this is just the kind of prayer that we could all use in our life. So it says, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Lucy, you did not hide your light under a basket, but let it shine for the whole world, for all the centuries to see. We may not suffer torture in our lives the way you did, but we are still called to let the light of our Christianity illumine our daily lives. Please help us to have the courage to bring our Christianity into our work, our recreation, our relationships, our conversation, every corner of our day. Amen. Amen. I needed that prayer today. That's a great one. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. I feel blessed by that. St. Lucy, Um, pray for us. Please. (laughs) We need it. Um, So my saint is St. John of the Cross. Ooh, I love it. Which I have to say, I felt, I just said I felt blessed by St. Lucy. But I did feel Mm -hmm. blessed by this research because St. John of the Cross was like, I know basics about him. So like he was friends with Teresa of Avila. Yeah. And the dark night of the soul. He's Spanish. I love Saint friendships. Oh, we sh- well, there's a whole oh. series on saints who are friends. Okay, we, we got to go there. And that's also a thing I like to do with youth groups a lot, like talking oh, nice. about all the saints who are friends and yeah. like, you know, just as a it's possible. All the community. Yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, I knew he was friends with Teresa Babla. He's Spanish, dark night of the soul. That is it. And as yeah. I got into like his story, I feel like I had so many things wrong about him. And that there was so much more to his life than just like the highlights, the highlight reel, like we always say. So um, and then I want to say I never really wanted to read his stuff because he's known for Dark Night of the Soul. Okay, tell me what Dark Night of the Soul is. So he it's like a a reflection on his it's his poetry, right? It's his poetry that he wrote when he was imprisoned, which we'll get to. Okay, but it's actually just called the Dark Night. But he actually never uses the phrase dark night of the soul. <laughs> this, so that's hard for me. I really need to hear the title in people's works somewhere in there. But he call, he uses the dark night a lot. Okay. But not like the dark night of the soul, which oh, is gotcha. like what people have kind of like used his work as like a jumping off point. Oh, interesting. For like describing kind of like periods of dryness or yes. darkness in your face. Desolation, yeah. Yeah, desolation, which he talks about. Anyway, but I always thought he was like the depressed saint, and he's not. <laughs> like, I feel like I got so much wrong about him. Oh, anyway, I love it. Yeah, so we'll just jump in. Um, so 
like I said, I knew he was Spanish. He was born in 1542. I found out his name was originally Juan de Yepes y Alvarez. That's beautiful. Which I was like, of course his name was never of the cross. You know, like yeah. he was just like such a heavy hitter. Like yeah. I never even thought that, that he was had his new identity. Name. Yeah. Right. So I love that, that I even learned his like given name. Yeah. Um, never knew this about him, that his family was really, really poor. Um, his father was cast out from his wealthy family for marrying a woman in a lower class. Mm. So as a result, they really struggled financially. And when his father died, um, John's older brother actually died of malnourishment. Oh, how sad. Um, yeah. So he was sent to live in an orphanage or like home for poor children. So his mother could work. Okay. Um, and it was there that he, uh, was introduced to religious education and he had like an early affinity for religion and like an early attachment to wanting to be, um, in the religious life. So, um, he joined the Carmelite order and took the name St. John, John of St. Matthias, which I thought was so cool. And also again, like you just hear John of St. John of the cross. It's like who he is. Right. I, again, like not, not. I kind of felt like this was like whenever kids see their teacher in public and they're yes. like, you don't live at school. Right. Why are you in other clothes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, or when they find out their teacher's first name isn't Miss, you know, like this is how I felt like, of course, he had like a whole life before he, you know. Right. Before he was who he is known for. Right. So I thought it was just cool that he was St. John of Matthias um, or Matthias, I guess. Um, another thing I thought was cool was that he, uh, he got in trouble you know, pre whole Carmelite schism because he translated the Song of Songs into Spanish from Latin. Okay. So he always loved the Bible. But at the time they, there was a really big emphasis on not translating the Bible to keep it in Latin so that you wouldn't lose meaning in translation. Right. Which as a student of the Bible, I love the purity of that idea or the, no, uh, that he issues of translation is like the whole reason we have biblical theology. Sometimes it's oh, like breaking down translation. Yeah. So I love that. He is one of the people that was like, no, we should be translating this. Oh, cool. You know? Okay. Um, awesome. Also love song of songs. I did a research paper on that in college. So song of songs. Is that the romantic one? Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. love it. Love yeah. that one. He translated into Spanish. Aww. So that was just cool. Like you had a life before the Carmelites yeah. or the, before the Carmelites got mad it at you. Sounds like he was pretty brave too. Oh, yeah. that That's like kind of like a foreshadowing for some uh-huh. of the trouble he would get into. Um, so he became a priest and was really attracted to just uh, like cloistered living and the quiet life. And this was why he was attracted to St. Teresa of Avila. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, the Carmelites had uh, kind of drifted away from their original founding kind of guiding principles. Yeah. And so we know Teresa of Avila was really drawn to reinstating some of that. Um, and St. John was too. So he really liked how strict she was um, and how she reintrodu- reintroduced like devotion to prayer and simplicity and how her her sisters who followed her were barefoot. And um, that's why we have the discalced, discalced or dis- discalced, discalced yeah. Carmelites. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're called that them. because they don't wear shoes. Yeah. Um, do they wear shoes now? They do wear shoes now. They okay. wear sandals. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in 1568, Teresa founded a new monastery and on that day is um, November 28th. On the same day was when St. John changed his name to St. John of the Cross to mm. kind of um, show that he was taking on a new spirituality. Oh, cool. Um, so it was around this time that he became St. Teresa of Avila's confessor and her spiritual guide. I love that. Um, and specifically, he didn't like the term spiritual director uh-huh. because he said 
like at the time and their time in history, um, he's, he said uh, something like more souls will go to hell um, because of, he has a famous saying, it's like three, like one is like, like your, your lust, like your bodily temptations. Okay. But then one of the, the other list, um, the end of the list isn't a bad spiritual director because he just saw so many people abusing that wow. leadership role. Yeah, that there's so much responsibility there. Right. He yeah. didn't want to be called a spiritual director. He preferred like spiritual teacher or guide. I love that. Yeah. So humble. Yeah. Um, so around this time when St. John and Teresa are really like, um, you know, just full blown going into their reform work is when they started to get in some trouble and create controversy. Yeah. Um, cause there were the ordinary Carmelites and then the dis- discalced, did I say it right? Discalced, I think. Discalced. I'm mm-hmm. going to say that wrong every time. That's Just fine. L- We know what you're talking about. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> discalced. Um, so, you know, they wanted to go to that original stricter team. Yeah. That the order was founded on. But uh, at the time, Carmelites had really become really uh, worldly. And I, we, there was this kind of understanding that you became a, we've talked about this before, but you became a sister with you like weren't married. That was kind of like where the wealthy sent oh, their, right. their daughters and they paid like a dowry to the order. So there's yes. a lot of money involved with yeah. running, um, you know, an order. So it's a lot um, different than it is today. A lot different. It was like a social status thing. Oh, um, and St. Teresa and St. John were saying like, no, we, this is, we want to remove ourselves from the world and live set apart. So there was obviously a rift between the people that were like, no, I chose this for status. And the yeah. people were like, well, I'm choosing it for a religious vocation. Yeah. Um, so, so the Carmelites were already established. They were already established. And St. Teresa was reforming it. Yes. Okay. Uh, they originally formed on like a religious order like a rule of life and then slowly it became like the religious life became more of a status symbol yeah and saint Teresa wanted to move it back to go back yeah oh, and nice. kind of like what we know religious orders to be today yeah it's because of her work in saint john um but you can obviously see how that would make some people mad yeah right change like, yeah don't like change. i don't want to i join this because i'm rich yes. i don't want to <laughs> what do you mean barefoot yeah exactly um so they got in a lot of trouble Obviously, there there was a lot of Good controversy. Trouble, yeah, there's a lot of controversy. <laughs> Eventually, um, the Vatican and the Pope and the King of Spain sided with Saint Teresa and John, and I think this made more people mad. Um, so at one point, this is what I knew John for. He was well. I didn't know this that he was kidnapped by a group of Carmelites and taken to the Order's main house. Um, and it was there that he was brought to court and placed on trial for disobedience. And he was imprisoned and um, beaten. He was starved oh while goodness. in jail. He was um, regularly like lashed. And all he got to have in his cell that was too small for him to even lay down in was a prayer book and a lamp to read it by. Oh. Um, so this is when he would write poetry, um, which was smuggled. The paper and pen were smuggled to him by other friars. He wrote poetry on um, kind of this this mom brain. What was the word he used? Kind of when you're in a period of dryness. Or oh, the dry- desolation. Yes, yes, he wrote about desolation, and that's okay. What he's so most he was known like for. smuggled and beaten, and his like knee jerk reaction is, "I, I need write to write po- some poetry." poetry. Okay, awesome. God bless him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's like a lover. Like exactly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's what he's known for, like yeah. that poetry that he wrote in that time. Um, and then eventually he escapes. He was there for nine months. He escapes. So is that dark night? That's, I believe the dark night. Cool. I could be wrong, but that's what I found. Uh, and then he spent, 
some weeks recovering back with St. Teresa's sisters. He went back to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually he lived out his life kind of traveling around Spain and founding more dis- discalced. Yes. Discalced Bingo. orders or yeah. discalced homes. Um, and just kind of leading that order with St. Teresa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he did die in 1591 kind of after, um, after that life of just being a great reformer and leader for his order um, from an infection. Mm-hmm. Um, something I thought was interesting was that there was dispute over where he should be buried. So they just resolved it by removing his limbs and burying him in both places. Oh, wow. Which okay. is so weird. That's like that's, a weird Catholic thing. I'm just being uh, honest. Sometimes there are weird things. That's there, are, there are. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously in the 1600s or 1500s. Yeah. So things, it was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he was beatified in 1675 and then canonized in 1726. And his feast day is the 14th, which it wasn't St. Lucy's the 13th. Yeah, the 13th. So that's so funny that we picked yeah, them. That's cool. Um, yeah, I did want to add. So, like I said, what I knew him about was for being this big, heavy hitter mystic. Yeah. Which some of my research, I think from America Magazine I read about him, was they kind of pointed out that that word wasn't even around at the time. When mystic? He, yeah, like that understanding of like a church mystic Can wasn't even. Can you explain even, what that? Uh, they're, you know, just people who they're writing um, is, their writings are generally it's, known to be, you know, inspired. Yes, yeah, inspired, spiritually elevated. Yeah, spiritually elevated. Um, so this idea of mysticism or like to him to be like a mystic, he yeah. wouldn't have even considered himself that. Cause it wasn't known at that it time. It wasn't like a big thing at the time. Um, and St. Teresa of Avila is also, is also a mystic. mystic. Yeah. yeah. Man, what, don't you wish you could have like listened to their conversations oh, or yes. like go back like, in can time? Can we have a cup of coffee together? Yeah. <laughs> um, but so one thing, so again, like I knew him as this big mystic, this yeah. church heavy hitter. Um, but he would have never thought himself that way. And this is why I feel like I'm getting to know someone for the first time that I thought I knew all this time. Um, so he's, you know, like identified with that phrase of like the dark night. Yeah. Uh, I really thought of him as like the depressed saint, Mm -hmm. but he actually even in his writing wrote like differentiated between some people. He called it melancholy, melancholy. Yes, uh-huh. It was like some people have melancholy. That's not what I'm talking about. And I always thought he was just probably depressed when he was writing. Right. It. And right. he, he, but he was, he dis- even knew the distinction of like between desolation is, and depression. Yeah. Which cool. I really appreciated. Yeah. Oh, and that's kind of thing. He was very practical. Um, he was not this crazy. I mean, he is a crazy mystic, <laughs> but it started like was embedded on just like this really practical spirituality. Um, they said they say he was like a really tender confessor mm. and like teacher. Mm-hmm. So a lot of his like spiritual writings that now we like hold in such great reverence were like things that he would jot down for people in confession. Oh, like pray with this. And it I all was that. like very simple things. Um, and then he was even like, I think this is where I feel like I have a new friend, like Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he gets me. Um, kind of what we were just talking about, actually, off the air. But um, yeah. he uh, was very, at the time, there was a lot of sensationalism around, like, um, advanced spiritual experiences. Okay. And at the time, like, a lot of people took advantage of that. So, like, this person is, like, has this crazy gift. Or, like, this person is receiving visions. And it became, yeah. like, sensationalized. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, which, not that those things didn't happen, but um, the attention around the it attention was just different. around it. Yeah. 
he said that um, that could the the attention could kind of ensnare a person in yeah. a way, mm-hmm. um, or it could kind of feed like a, a like an emotional spirituality instead of just like a very practical one. Yeah. Um, and he had this kind qu- of feeding the self or the ego right. part. Yeah. yeah. He, didn't, he had this quote where he says he would not even walk across the street to see a stigmatic, which I felt was like so like I don't know the part of me that's very stubborn was like yeah. <laughs> also, where what time period are we in where we can just walk across the street and there's a stigmatic? I guess that yeah, was part like, of the issue where yeah. he was like, no, I'm not. Now, was that, do you think, to just guard himself from that or help the other person not receive the attention? Um, I think it was kind of like to stand countercultural. That's what nice. I kind of get. Okay. Um, like, because he was um, big on urging spiritual leaders to tell people that, like, one like faithfully done act or one like yes. earnest prayer means more than like great visions yes. of God. So right. like, I think he was trying to say like, if you're not having stigmatisms or vision of God, like that are crazy prophetic, right? Like that's okay. Like that you have like a practical spirituality. Your offering important. can be received right. with that such you love. like actually do daily things with great love. Oh, love it, it matters more than like having yes. a stigmata, which is why I think he was like, no, I'm not going to, that feels very St. Therese to me. Yeah, which is probably why she's my new friend too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I think like I tend to, I'm like a very logical thinker. So sometimes I don't get super excited about like all of, like a ton of apparitions. Sure, like yeah. Or a lot of like, there are some devotions where I'm like, that's never going to be for me. And that's right, okay. Right, right. Um, so kind I of kind more, of. It's more of the hard to believe. Right. Like, leap of faith type ones. Yes. Yeah. And so I know that there's probably a part of me that I need to work on that. But I know it's just from my logical thinking. Yeah, but so that there are saints that... Had it too. Yes. Yeah, I just I feel a little bit seen by yes, this. I um, like that. Yeah. Or, I mean, even if I do come around to like an apparition or something, my first reaction is always like, mm, let me think about that. Yeah, little, which I know, think let is me... healthy, like a healthy right. dose of kind of questioning. Yeah, so I felt a little seen by that. But also like the thing of that... Now I had this idea of him as like this big lofty thinker, intellectual poet, yeah. mystic. And he was like, just like do one act of great love a day. Oh, and don't even yes. worry about it. He seems very humble. Yes, very humble. Um, and I think, again, just in doing this, I was so blown away by how wrong I was about him. <laughs> in like um, the best way, though. The best way. Yeah. Like, I feel like I really got to know him. Um, I want to know more about him now. I'm exactly. Yeah. Asking for his intercession. Yeah, and then I took, um, I took, uh, I copied you. I want to end with a quote of his. Yeah. But he says, God has to work in the soul in secret and in darkness because if we fully knew what was happening and what mystery and transformation God and grace will eventually ask of us, we would either try to take charge or stop it. Oh, that is such wisdom. I know. So I wanted to like close with that because I felt, again, felt seen like, okay. That needs to be like tattooed somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, okay, I'll trust in you, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. By encouragement of my new friend, St. John. Right. Um, Yeah, that was his, that was his life. I feel like. It's beautiful. I feel like a little bit like my thing is like his celebrity clouded some of the simplicity of him for me. So, I mean, obviously I'm excited about this podcast or else we wouldn't be doing it. But I felt like this is why we're doing it. To show like humanize, to show. Right. Like these are real people people with real lives. Yeah. Yeah. So that's beautiful. That's my new friend, St. John. Yay. We're going to be friends now. (laughs) 
I can't wait to see what's going to happen. Yeah. That's St. Awesome. John, December 14th. Yes. So we've got lots of um, different ideas for spirituality to kind of think on for Advent, which oh, I think. Love and it, yeah. both, for both of them, it feels like new eyes and just um, rebirth in a way. Yes. Yeah. Which is cool. So. That could be the new theme. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Should we do highs and lows? Highs and lows. Oh, yes. Or blessing and burden. Blessing and burden. You go first because I forgot about blessing and burden. <laughs> Someone have to think on the fly. <laughs> um, I thought about it, so I will go first. Okay. My burden, of of course, like I said, my baby is sick. Um, he's just got a little cold. We went to the doctor. It's not whooping cough or like an ear infection, but yeah. he's coughing and sneezing and has a running nose. And he's eight months old, so he's never been sick before in his life. That's impressive. Yeah, so... People get sick. I knew it would happen, but yeah. he's so little that when he coughs, it just like shakes his whole body. Mm. And I mean, he's still playing and he's a little fussy, but I just like want to, it's just so sad when he coughs because he's know. so little. And there's not much you can there's do at not, that age. Yeah, there's really not. So we're doing what we can, but I'm so sad that he's sick. I yes. just want to be better. And then his nose just running like a river. So oh, poor baby. lots of boogers. Um, I can yeah. see how this is the burden. That's my burden. Um, <laughs> I think my blessing is just that um, it's Advent time, the holidays. Yes. I'm just excited for this time of year. I know. Uh, that's it's probably beautiful. my blessing, just that I love Advent. Yes. That's all. Advent and Christmas. Advent. This it's, is like one word is the blessing. It's a great, yeah, just just Advent and Christmas. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. What else do you need to say? Yeah. All right. My burden is I have been loving on this lemon tree I bought back in March, and it was it was growing and it was beautiful while it was outdoors. And now that it got cold, I brought it inside and it's withering away. Oh, I'm sorry. And that's I just hard. Yes. And so it's like caring for a baby. And then you're like, I can't do anything about this. So I'm not sure. I've talked to a garden expert and I feel like I've done everything I can. So I might just put it back outside and see if it'll weather through the winter. So fingers crossed there. Yeah. Um, my blessing is Advent related also. So uh, we attended a mass, a candlelit mass, oh, that, yeah. the 6 a.m. candlelit mass. It was called the Rorate Mass. Uh -huh. I'm probably not saying it right. But it was dedicated to the Blessed Virgin, and it was just so beautiful. I've never experienced a mass like that. It's, it starts at 6 a.m., and it's completely in the dark, just candlelit. But by the end of the mass, the sun is rising. It's after the Eucharist, and so it's just it's so symbolic. There's just so much beauty in all of it. So um, it, there's two more weeks of it, but that was my blessing. Great. Yeah. I need to make it to one of those. Uh, yeah, I want to make you come with me. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's all we got. Blessing, burden, right. snacks. Happy snacks. Advent. Yeah. Happy Advent, everyone. And we're recording on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Yes. So, so happy Immaculate Mother. Conception. Yes. Pray for us, Blessed Mother. Pray for us. It, I'm sure it won't be uploaded today, but that's just <laughs> an exciting thing. So. Yes. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>